you like to sit, we're going to have our Bible reading. The reading is taken from the book of Proverbs, chapter 31, beginning at verse 10. It can be found on page 641 of the Old Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, the writer to the Proverbs gives us a snapshot of what a life lived well looks like in the portrayal of a woman who fears the Lord. A capable wife, who can find? She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from far away. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and tasks for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid for her household when it snows, for all her household are clothed in crimson. She makes herself coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the city gates, taking his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She supplies the merchant with sashes. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household, and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her happy. Her husband too, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her a share in the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the city gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Richard, and good morning, everybody. Let me pray before I begin. Father, we thank you for our studies in Proverbs and ask that through the Holy Spirit you would bring to mind and make our own 
the pearls of wisdom you intended for each one of us. May our lives be changed accordingly, and would you help us pass on those blessings to all whom we encounter. For your glory we ask it. Amen. We come to the end of our series in the book of Proverbs with the theme, A Model to Follow, based on the last part of chapter 31, to which our NRSV translation gives the heading, Ode to a Capable Wife. Other translations are more fulsome. A truly good wife, the virtuous wife, or in the NIV, the wife of noble character. Proverbs has taught us that the ability to live wisely does not come naturally. It has to be learned. We've also seen that in traditional versions of the Bible, wisdom was personified as a woman who had to be earnestly sought as we would for hidden treasure. So it's not surprising, perhaps, that our passage begins in verse 10 with a challenge. Who can find a wife of noble character? It's as if it's laying down the gauntlet. Don Quixote, who's been described as the Spanish Christ, put it thus as he explained things to Sancho, his squire. Whoever undertakes a long journey, if he be wise, makes it his business to find out an agreeable companion. How cautious then should he be who is to take a journey for life, whose fellow traveller must not part with him but at the grave, his companion at bed and board, and sharer of all the pleasures and fatigues of his journey as the wife must be to the husband. Having, we assume, succeeded in his search for such a wife, verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts her. It's as if his heart is at home. Verse 12, she does him good and not harm. The Irish poet John O'Donoghue, in his book Annam Cara, the Gaelic expression of soul friend, explained it beautifully. Love allows understanding to dawn, and understanding is precious. Where you are understood, you are at home, and feel free to release yourself into the trust and shelter of the other person's soul. Such a wife, we are told, is more precious than rubies, and her husband lacks nothing of value, and we can readily see why in the next few verses. This wife is an importer, a home manager, property owner, winemaker, seamstress, 
and merchant, using her talents to spin wool and flax, import food from distant areas. A hard worker, she arises early to provide food for her husband and plan the working day for her employees. She invests in land and plants a vineyard, makes fine linen clothes and accessories and trades in them. She does so well, verse 20, that she's able to open her arms to the poor and extend her hands to the needy. As a result of her industry, verse 21, she doesn't fear the winter. We could include there hard times because all her household are provided for. Her effectiveness is underlined in verse 27 where we're told she watches over the affairs of her household and doesn't eat the bread of idleness. And from this sound home base that the wife has created, the husband is free to attend to civic duties. Verse 23, he's respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land, the equivalent of our state's chamber. This wife has so many of the attributes, proverbs, encourages, and none of the weaknesses Perhaps some of us are thinking, well, she's perfect. You know, I'll, I'll never attain that standard. So perhaps she is not one person, but rather a composite of the ideal, a dream of the ancient supermum, whose portrait is fashioned from a number of individuals as an inspiration as opposed to a paragon to be imitated in every single detail. We may not possess all her qualities and gifts, but we can learn from the industry and resourcefulness she models. We can also take her attributes and character as our example. Her compassion for the less fortunate, verse 20. Her strength and dignity, verse 25 which are described as her clothing and her wisdom and kindness, verse 26, in everything she says. So I think we are all meant to take inspiration from this perfect example, whether we are married or single, male or female. And one case where I've witnessed this in action is the Society of the Sisters, Faithful Companions of Jesus, which was founded in 1820 and today runs schools and centres for women and refugees around the world. My first contact with them was in September 1986 when I took our daughter Julia to FCJ Primary School for her first day. She was four years and two weeks old, tiny. Her satchel was about a third of her size. When she left me and walked into school, she turned round and started crying. 
So I thought, oh no. Then something miraculous to me happened. Two FCJ boys, about eight or seven, came up to her. One put his hand around her. The other one took her satchel and led her in. And she never looked back. And I was completely bowled over because I come from Tilbury. Any sign of weakness in my primary school would have been pounced upon. (laughs) The result would have been very different. So from that very first moment, I was struck by the ethos of the school played out in real life. So I was attracted to help out at fates and so on, and later invited uh, to become a governor, uh, and thus had regular dealings with the society itself, a group of godly, gifted, and diligent women who lived out many of the attributes of our wife of noble character. And although, of course, unmarried, they were clearly and joyfully keeping their vows to remain faithful companions of Jesus. Now, I was not a Christian when I first encountered FCJ, but looking back now, I see how my close interaction became a part of my journey of faith, how wonderfully God works to weave in all of those experiences into the unique tapestry that is our life. A small detour from Proverbs, but still on the theme of wisdom, James 3.17 points out the contrast between worldly wisdom, which is in effect not wisdom at all, with the wisdom from above that is first of all pure, then peace-loving, compassionate, teachable, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And it's interesting that some of the Greek words used there have been adopted as girls' names. Wisdom is Sophia. Pure, Agne, from which we derive Agnes. Peace-loving there, Eriniki, from which we derive Irene. And good is Agathon, from which we derive Agatha. The female influence there, which is so positive. Another influence on my life has been my wife, Chris, who both before and after our marriage prayed for me, as when we got married, I was not a Christian, and I learnt that she prayed for me for 17 years before I finally came to Christ at Mission Jersey in 1989 and joined this church. Very wisely, 
she didn't tell me she was praying for me at the time until after I became a Christian. So for me, the words of 1 Peter 3 came true. I was won over without words by the behaviour of my wife as I saw the purity and reverence of her life. Also, 1 Corinthians 7, the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his believing wife. And there have been many other ways in which, for me, Chris exemplifies the perfect wife in Proverbs 31, and I'm sure it's the same for many of you guys. Our wives' very presence makes home such a delight. And in case some of you younger folk are concerned about growing old together with your partner, I can tell you as a senior citizen that in common with all ladies, Christine carries her youth, joy and love of life with her into older age, becoming, for me, more deeply beautiful with every passing year. Well, some may say, well, what's the point of this model wife's effort and enterprise, all that hard work? You know, why should we strive to follow her example? While it may seem a long way off to younger couples... Physical charms and beauty do fade. Verse 30 says that they're actually deceitful and vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And so she is. Firstly, by her children. Then, by her husband. And also, verse 31, by the community. A closing comment on an interesting aspect of our passage in that we can only imagine what this wife looks like because her appearance is not mentioned. Further support, I suggest, that her portrait is meant for general acknowledgement down the ages. So her attractiveness comes entirely from within from her character, which, coupled with the fear of God, leads to rounded success in the whole of life. And not only, of course, for herself, but for her family, her household, and her community. To allay any thoughts of inadequacy that some of us may be having, that this perfect model is unattainable, remember that happy, successful people don't necessarily have the best of everything, they just make the best of whatever they have. So aim high. It's worth striving for. Because tucked in verse 25 is the statement that this wife can laugh at the days to come. Wow. Even among Christians today... How often do we see that? Given the context, this does not for one moment imply arrogance or overconfidence on her part. No, because 
she fears the Lord and has done everything within her power to be a good partner, she knows that she can then leave the future in God's hands. And what of the future and what we know it will eventually bring, the sadness of separation. Let me return to Anamkara by John O'Donoghue. With your Anamkara, your soul friend, you awaken the eternal. In this soul space, there is no distance. And this is beautifully illustrated during the meal in the film Babette's Feast, where an old soldier speaks with the woman he loved from youth but was not allowed to marry. He tells her that even though he had never seen her since, she had always been at his side. Anamkara continues, the life and passion of a person leaves an imprint on the ether of a place. Love does not remain within the heart. It flows out to build secret tabernacles in a landscape. Peter, in his first letter, wrote that the ideal Christian wife possessed the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Spanish philosopher Miguel de Unamuno expanded on that idea poetically in his commentary on Don Quixote and the mistress of his noble affections, the Lady Dulcinea. When even the echo of your name will have been dissipated in the air and the air itself dissipated, then the embers of your love will warm the ruins of the cosmos. Love, we must remember, particularly this week, is the only conquering force. Amen. Amen.